Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit. everyone and welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello Marissa. Knock knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Orange. You glad your front door isn't orange? (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) That wasn't funny on the show and it wasn't funny now. I don't know if I've ever heard an orange knock-knock joke that was funny, so it was a tough hill to climb. They went for it, though. Yeah, they really went for it. Did you know that this episode actually, watching this episode made me recount one of my most traumatic memories as an elementary school child? How would I know that? I I wasn't sure if I've told you this story before, because I feel like I have. Please start the story, and I will let you know (laughs) if I have heard it before. I don't know. I feel like... You're asking me to pull a memory out of the sky. Not only that, one of my memories. Yeah, like I don't know what you're talking about right now. (laughs) All right. Well, when we were in elementary school, they used to do a student of the month. And when you were the student of the month, you would get a little certificate and would be like, blah, blah, blah. Sam Chung is the student of the month. And then they would let you put your handprint on the wall. And there was a wall of handprints right across from the cafeteria. And that was where all the student of the month handprints went. And I was student of the month one month. And they were like, congratulations, it's your time to put your handprint on the wall. And I was so excited. Um, this was a fairly new concept. So there was a lot of wall real estate. I had my, my, my full choice of where to put my handprint. So they painted my hands. I got it painted red because red is my favorite color. I was so pumped. I was like, yeah, I'm going to put my handprint on the wall. And I put my handprint on the wall. And then I realized my fingers were too close together. And then (laughs) I was like, oh, crap, my fingers are too close together. And so then I was like, well, what do I do? Do I now the paint is on the wall? What do I do? And I was like, I don't know. So then I just spread my fingers out (laughs) with my hand on the wall. And then it looked like I had webbed fingers. And and that was my that was my handprint on the wall. And then I had to sign it so that people could witness my embarrassing moment. <laughs> They're like, oh, who, who's that kid with webbed hands? Oh, that's that's just Sam. Yeah, so obviously that did not go as well as I wanted it to. And, <laughs> and I hope that since that time it's been either painted over or somebody else has put their handprint, you know, to cover that embarrassing mistake from my childhood. I remember the story, though I am surprised. I feel like this is something that would haunt me. I'm kind of surprised it haunts you so much to this day. It does. You remember when you fail at something so epically. I have another elementary school memory where we had to do an egg drop. Basically, I had like a great idea. I was like, oh, I'll just blow up a bunch of Ziploc bags. I'll put it around the thing. It'll be like an air cushion. And then the the egg just broke. It like full on broke. They said that they were going to do a drop from like the roof, which is like the elementary school fairly short roof, maybe like, you know, 15 feet high. It was a one-story building. But then no one could figure out how to get up onto the roof or whether it was actually even allowed for the teachers to be on the roof. So instead, they stood at the edge of the ditch behind the school and just chucked it as hard as they could. (laughs) My contraption was meant for vertical movement, not horizontal parabolic movement. And so I just felt like I was not prepared for that. And then I got a two out of four because that was how grades worked. You good? I feel like that was something you really needed to get off your chest. I mean, I've been feeling that way since I was 10 years old. So this is, (laughs) this has been festering for seven, for no, six. How old am I? (laughs) I don't know. 16 years. I remember the wall of hands. Did you get a handprint on the wall? You think I wasn't student of the month? Um, How did your handprint look? Were you proud of it? It was obviously a perfect handprint. Oh, okay. Whatever. Cool. (laughs) Cool story. And in retrospect, I think I remember that weird webbed hand. Wow. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, ooh, somebody had a really bad day. You're going to have a really bad day. (laughs) 
almost like Ethan Kraft trying to do a thumbs up. But yeah, that's my handprint story. And watching this episode today just took me right back to it. Um, but back to my orange joke. Can you imagine if you're if we painted our front door orange? I would never allow that to happen. What if we painted our door and it was just Weird Al's face? Are you a Weird Al fan? I mean, <laughs> white and nerdy definitely has a permanent address in my brain. I feel like there was one summer when White and Nerdy was on literally every other song on the radio. Perhaps. That was probably Weird Al's biggest hit in in retrospect. And I remember watching like VH1, like music videos in the morning before school. And that one would like inevitably pop up and it would just be like him mowing his lawn in like his suspenders. Did you have a poster of Weird Al for your wall? Uh, No, my room was kind of, I didn't really have any posters in my room. Uh, my room was map-themed, and so there were just maps everywhere. Boring. Well, what posters did you have? Actually, no. I know what posters you have because I look at them every day. There's John Green, John Green, and then in the other corner, I believe, John Green. Well, that was <laughs> my teenage self. Um, you did not see because I think I took it down after I left for college, but the back of my door was a collage of J14 posters. Oh, wow. Um, with the likes of, of course, Hilary Duff, Ashley Tisdale, and just every every Disney Channel star from that era. You also currently have Hilary Duff and her child like on the mirror in your room. I do. It's the postcard from the Smashing Test. Oh, which reminds me, Marissa, you were going to report back on how you liked the ColourPop kit. Yeah, it arrived this week. It is very cute. Even the packaging is adorable. I almost don't even want to unpack it and like throw anything away. I really like the lip glosses. I definitely feel that plumping effect in the lip scrub. They're real quality lip products. Wow. High praise. All right. So what would you rate it out of uh, 10 stars? I don't know. This is coming from someone who does not wear a lot of makeup especially now in these times i don't know i guess i would give it like a seven you would give it seven out of ten stars quality of product yes am i typically a gloss girl no i'm more of a matte gal myself matt m-a-t-t-e not matt mcguire (laughs) you're a matt mcguire girl (laughs) no um well what's a 10 out of 10 Probably my Urban Decay lipsticks. That sounds terrible. What a strange... And Lorac. Lorac lipsticks. Basically... Lorac. L-A-R-O-Q-U-E. L-A-R-O-C. So those are a 10 out of 10? Have you ever had a 1 out of 10? Yeah. What's a 1 out of 10? Oh my God. During a early pandemic online shopping thing I went through, I bought stuff from Glossier and I had never bought anything from Glossier before it, but I have heard very high praise for this company and always saw really long lines coming from their pop-up shop in downtown Manhattan. Like lots of people legit just waiting in line down the block to get into Glossier because they would only let so many people in at a time, even before COVID. So I got a lipstick from them and when it arrived, it just smelled rancid oof yeah I was just like this does not smell like something that I want to put on my face (laughs) (laughs) so you never actually ended up putting it on no wow that's that's like that's a zero out of ten all right so I guess we can say goodbye to any potential Glossier ads that we might have gotten in the future I will say I do like their masks and I do like their boy brow it was a boy brow it's their eyebrow um it's like a wand and you pick the color of your eyebrows and you it, you just use it to like shape and like fill in your eyebrows. But why is it called a boy brow? That's just what it's called. I don't know that much about makeup. I think that's what it's called. You're making me second guess what's called. But I do like, so I like the Lizzie, the, for the Lizzie stuff, I like the lip stuff. I like the eyeshadow palette. It's very pigmented. And while there are some pretty bright and potent colors, I posted a selfie on Instagram wearing some hot pink eyeshadow like it was 2002. There are also nice neutral options that I could see myself wearing on a more regular basis. 
Now, in retrospect, did I need to be ridiculous and buy the entire set? Probably not. Just based on the products that I wear on a regular basis. Like, did I need the two jars of body glitter? Wait, you bought body? What is? Wait, what do you do with body glitter? Probably not. Like, um, oh, do you put body? Is the purpose of body glitter to literally go over your entire body? I don't know. We would use it for like dance competitions, just to like sparkle <laughs> on the stage. I don't know. Maybe there, it's time will come, Halloween twenty twenty two, three, whenever we can. <laughs> proper halloween and it also came with two blushes and i'm more likely to use one than the other all right all great products but just based on my makeup wearing habits some will be put to better use than others is what i'm trying to say okay Uh, seven out of ten you heard it here first i felt like a little kid again just playing with makeup that i didn't really know how to apply properly and we're still we're still at that point. Yes. <laughs> I've honestly regressed. I was like, when is the last time I put eyeshadow on? I don't I mean, I have no idea when the last time you put eyeshadow on was. In other news, my week was filled with a lot of Chris Pratt. Lots of Chris Pratt. And I have mixed feelings about that. Really? You have mixed feelings about that? Mostly because of everything we know now about Chris Pratt. That has demoted him from the top four Chris's. I mean, is there a fifth Chris that replaced him? How can he be demoted from the top four Chris's? Who's now in that group? Who's now in that conversation? People have thrown in Chris Messina. I mean, that feels like a hot take, but... Do I know? I don't even know. Who is that? He was the romantic lead in The Mindy Project. He played Danny Castellano. Oh, can we actually throw in Chris Maloney? Did you see him trending on Twitter because of his saucy picture? I don't even know who that is. He's the guy from Law and Order, Chris Maloney. If you want him to be the fourth Chris. He's like 60 years old also. <laughs> Ew. You don't recognize him? He's making a big splash because he's now back in his own spinoff series, Law and Order, Organized Crime. Okay. He's back. I'll still give it to Chris Messina. Speaking of, uh, you know, brackets of famous people, I recently made a bracket of all the best carries. It has the 16 top rated carries all in a bracket, and they're ready to duke it out, but I just need to find the right format to actually make this happen. Top 16 according to you. You think there's a carry that I'm missing that should be in this top... I mean, my top 16 is very comprehensive. Top seed, Carrie Underwood. Second seed, Mariah Carey. They're on a collision course for each other. Not I if, kind uh, of think it's, a, it's, it's bold to put Carrie Underwood above Mariah. But, you know, Drew Carey is coming for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> you are so dumb. Why do I like you? Oh, man. That's true. I could see an, I could definitely see an argument for putting Mariah Carey above Carrie Underwood. But I feel like that's just because we're coastal elites. And I feel like... The, Speak for yourself. <laughs> I feel like if you go anywhere, like, in two states, then it's Carrie Underwood all day. Based on the fact that there are like 12 country music awards. Yeah. Isn't the, aren't the ACMs coming up soon or something? Is it the Academy of Country Music Academy Awards? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But yeah, there's like five to 10 country music awards every year. Are they redundant? Who knows? I don't watch them. No disrespect. It's just like a lot. <laughs> I guess in fairness, there are also like 15 movie awards every year. Are there though? Because they're all four different things. Well, you got the Globes and you got the Oscars, but then you also have like the Critics' Choice Awards and then you have like the Screen Actors Guild Awards and also the Directors Guild of America Awards. And then, you know, it just goes on from there. The BAFTAs. (laughs) Don't bring another country into this. (laughs) You didn't even let me give my synthesized assessment of the Guardians movies. Just... Oh, skirted right over that. Sorry. Yes. Conti- All right. So Chris. <laughs> yes. Chris Pratt. I Not will- to be confused with. I am Inspector Pratt and I'm here to inspect. <laughs> I will give him that he is a funny guy. I did enjoy these movies. Not for him, though. Drax is a low-key favorite. Never call me a thesaurus again is <laughs> top tier. 
maybe one of my favorite lines of all time. Fantastic. I I like I liked both movies. I like the idea of like found family stories and just this ragtag group of renegades. Is that the right word? Scoundrels. Yeah, sure. Scoundrels. Coming together. Rascals. To serve a greater purpose. There's some really dark family stuff happening with Nebula and Gamora. I mean, there's some dark stuff happening everywhere. Like the moment when in the second movie when they have Groot trying to go get the fin and he comes back with just a toe. Like (laughs) (laughs) super random, super dark, but we don't dwell on it. Love baby Groot. Do you like baby Groot better than adult Groot? Well, so I was confused again because I have seen the final movies. So I was like, isn't Groot smaller? And I was like, oh, he dies and is reborn. I think he's, now I'm misremembering because I've only seen the last movies once, but I feel like he's fully grown by the end again. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Or maybe he's just an angsty teenager for the rest of the series. <laughs> maybe. I liked the music. I liked the, just the tone. I You 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 liked, <laughs> your favorite part was that they played the chain twice. <laughs> Yes, at the symbolic value of those choices. It meant something. Yeah, no, they're very they're very good soundtracks in those movies. And I feel like that's why, you know, when you ask me and I'm like, I'm just very down on, you know, for example, like Iron Man 3. It just like, after you learn that this is like a galaxy-wide thing, it just like these isolated things just feel so small. Yeah, and it's like, now we got to go back to America. <laughs> Yeah. Back to Earth next week I with know. Age of Ultron. Yes, the Avengers Age of Ultron. Is Back the next to ScarJo. Back to Pepper Potts. But, you know, Age of Ultron is very important because that's where we're, like, we've been doing this all in the name of watching WandaVision. Yes, we, we got our first brief Wanda sighting at the end of, was it at the end of? Uh, Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier, maybe? yeah. Yes, and now it's like this is, is Age of Ultron her <laughs> debut. Oh, yes. don't get my hopes up if if <laughs> that is not the case. Um, I will come back full upset. More upset than when Pepper Potts was still alive. No. Are Are you excited for Pepper Potts to become a full like fighting Avenger now that she can turn herself into literal lava? Wait, her role gets bigger. <laughs> I guess you'll just have to wait and see. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Mercy, you know what I've been watching? I started watching, um, well, actually, I started watching two things. I started watching The Lost Pirate Kingdom on Netflix, which is kind of like, they Netflix did a series called Rome, and it's kind of like a mix of a, docu- a documentary series with like actors portraying the scenes that they're talking about. I really liked Rome. Lost Pirate Kingdom is a little bit weird because the green screen is so bad. (laughs) Like, they'll be, like, on a ship, quote-unquote ship, but it's, like, the green screen is so obvious that it kind of takes you out of it. It's a little strange. Um, And then I also started watching Made for Love on HBO Max, starring Kristen Milioti, Billy Magnuson, who I find to be hilarious, and also Ray Romano. I don't know how I feel about it yet. But I did start watching it. It's a very high concept idea. I don't know. Some of the jokes just miss a little bit for me. You know what I'm going to be watching by myself? Are you going to say Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Season four of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I will watch it with you. A girl can only hint so many times that she wants to see Skylar Aston's arrival as Greg and what that means and how this series concludes. No one asked for Skylar Aston as Greg. All right. No, I do want to, I do want to, obviously I want to finish it. I don't want to leave a series with less than a season to go. Um, We've just been watching so much. We also started, uh, nailed it, Double Trouble. Is that what it is? Double Trouble? Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. I just like, name a more iconic duo and give me one greater than Nicole Bayer and Jacques Torres. I dare you. I can't. Any pair that includes Jacques Torres is... (laughs) automatically like rises to the top they are the uh cream cheese of the crop if you will 
That's so dumb. <laughs> Did you like that? That was a better joke. You liked that one? That was a better joke. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Always has and always will bring me so much joy. I believe that I am a decent candidate. You're not a decent candidate because you would take it way too seriously. Yeah, I feel like they would love that. And I would not deliver. I would not be very good, but I would take it so seriously and I would be so mad at myself for failing. I know. They want they they want it to be a good time. Um I can make it a good time. Uh, so I feel so you obviously have to send in an audition tape, but the audition tape like has to portray you being not a great cook. But I feel like you would watch the audition tape and you'd be like, I can do better than this. And it's like, no, that's not the point of the audition tape. It's supposed to showcase how bad you are. Like these are two. These so are, you are saying that my sense of perfectionism will hinder me. Yes. Your type one will not allow you to put forth the type of effort required of a nailed it. I will prove you wrong. Sam, should we dive into the episode? We've been rambling for a while. And I do want to get into this episode because it felt like a return to form in many ways. Well, you know why that is, right? Miranda's back! But I'm not going anywhere. She didn't go anywhere. She is here. This episode was weird because it was like we went back in time because we've definitely already met Miss Do, and this episode made it seem like this was her big return, although we never saw her to begin with. This was supposed to be the episode where Ms. Do first shows up, and then the episode that we saw earlier was supposed to be like, and now Ms. Do is a regular faculty member once again. What happened to Mr. Dig? That's a great question. I know that he will resurface. And have dinner with the Maguires specifically. <laughs> but yeah, this is the part of the season where everything goes off the rails in terms of structure. We first saw Miss Do in episode 22, right? Dear Lizzie. Something like that, yeah. She wants to mm -hmm. be the advice columnist herself. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, she's, so she's the art teacher, but I guess she also runs the school zine. Was that what it was? It wasn't a newspaper. It was like a... The e-zine. The e-zine. This episode is meant to be the 20th episode in the production order. Nine whole episodes before... Nay, 10 episodes before Dear Lizzie. It was a fun romp. I feel like even though Miranda is back, she is underutilized, which is disappointing because yeah, I, I missed agree. her. Today, we are... Unpacking Lizzie McGuire season two, episode 25, Bunkies. In this episode, a water pipe has burst, so Matt has moved into Lizzie's room. As if that wasn't bad enough, she and her friends must find another group to join as part of a project promoting school unity. This episode aired on February 21st, 2003. Can I just say this episode, knowing what we know about Lizzie McGuire, the person, made no sense. How so? Because obviously Lizzie is a plumbing genius. Did you not see what she did for Nobby? I heard what you did for Nobby. Righteous. In production order, we actually don't know that yet. And this might be one of the most wild facts of all. Apparently, production order-wise, Extreme Christmas is... The second to last episode what? in the series. So it is Christmas, and then it is bye-bye. And that's the last day of school. That's some crazy timing. I can't imagine that they would have ever kept it in that order. My instinct is that's when they could get Steven Tyler. No, this is what, it made no sense because obviously Lizzie is like a plumbing prodigy. She and Joe and Sam and Matt and Gordo all know how to fix plumbing issues, and yet they have to just deal with this incompetent plumber guy for, like, over a week. It just, it doesn't make sense, given what we've seen. Incompetent plumber guy. So, you think this episode did the plumber dirty? Did plumbers dirty in general? Maybe. That was a weird subplot, also, because it made him seem like a really kind of a suspicious character. Because obviously he was doing all these things and charging them extra money. But then the punchline was the actual bill after he, I guess, took out fees for like hiring people and making them pay for his shoes. 
which doesn't really make a lot of sense, was like $2.43, I think. That was, was just the, a weird... That was the credit. That wasn't the bill. Oh, that was the credit? Yeah, so they gave him $1,000, and it costs $997 and whatever the change was. So they got back $2.43. Oh, okay. Well, even if they only had to pay, it's I guess that's only a $5 difference. Did they get swindled? Did they get they definitely got conned, right? Well, it sounded like it. Like he Sam asks the guy how long is this going to take and he says it's, it should take an hour to 2 hours and Sam says, "Well, then good, you should be done today, right?" And then he is making up all these excuses for why it's going to take longer than it should. And it just makes the plumber come off as a, uh, a suspicious character, especially when Lizzie, plumbing prodigy, is right here. And Sam doesn't even, Sam could go to work. Sam does not need to be home <laughs> to supervise and micromanage this plumber. Although maybe he does because the plumber seems to be shady. But Joe is home all day. Why does Sam need to stay home? I don't know what Sam McGuire is doing with his life at this point. But yeah. The big inciting incident in this episode is that a pipe bursts in Matt's room, therefore forcing him to move into Lizzie's room. And that is just the worst thing that could ever happen to Lizzie McGuire. She now has a worm in her room. She's making, in my opinion, too big a deal out of this. Like, it's temporary. Obviously, Matt's not going to stay in his, like, flooded bedroom. I guess he could sleep on the couch, but... Just, like, deal with it for a couple of days, you know? I feel like this is the A story. This is the story that takes up most of our time, but we open the episode with school and the uh, the handprints on the wall. Yeah, it's structurally, this episode is a k- kind of confusing because on the one hand, it is about Matt and Lizzie and their dynamic as siblings and being there for each other when times are tough. That's, like, the moral of the episode, yeah. But then it's paralleled with this whole school unity plot and the handprints on the walls and Gordo and Lizzie and Miranda trying to find where they fit in. And newsflash, it is a little late for that because you have been so unbearably codependent for the last two years. I know Gordo could have been part of the Dwarf Lord contingent. Miranda could have I thought Miranda was in the drama club. She was. <laughs> did maybe, she leave? When did she leave? Maybe they intervened. Maybe she had an intervention. Because I, Yeah, I don't remember her leaving the drama club. Well, she was a bad actor. That was the drama club conclusion. She couldn't act. She could sing. So you think they kicked her out because of that? I think Lizzie's bad review triggered Miranda to exit Pursued by a Bear. Can we cut to the scene uh, after the theme song where they're back at school, actually? Because they're in the courtyard, and apparently there was, like, a fire drill or something, so they all ran out to the courtyard. And people are, like, practicing putting their hand on the wall, which, given my story earlier, (laughs) I guess I could have used some practice putting my hand on the wall, but it's just, like, so strange. It looks like some sort of interpretive dance. They're all, like, just putting their hands on the wall and, like, (laughs) trying to figure out how they're going to maneuver. It's very strange. Yeah, this mural of togetherness. We're all in this together, if you will. Oh, geez. I really appreciated the point that Gordo makes where he basically says that it's his belief that the school is just exploiting students for their labor. (laughs) That's a good conspiracy. I like that now characters in the universe are starting to make conspiracies about Lizzie McGuire. (laughs) It had been just us for so long. Yeah, he was like, they just want to repaint the walls and they're making us do it. Yeah, just like when they do like uh, car wash fundraisers and whatnot. They're just making us wash people's cars. Why can't you be bitter and cynical like a normal student? That was a good line. I liked that one. And they want to put their handprints right in the middle. But guess who has a problem with that? (laughs) Doubt it. (laughs) The middle is for cheerleaders. Next to the cheerleaders will be the jocks. Except for the one girl who has a stubby finger. <laughs> I think I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead, but that was just so mean. No, that, that, that blew was my mind. So wild. Because for the most part, Kate is mean through Lizzie's eyes, right? It's It all feels very targeted toward Lizzie. Oh, Lizzie's yeah. not Liz- the most reliable yeah. narrator. No. I have this whole theory that 
Lizzie and Kate are two sides of the same coin. But then she just goes off on Tiffany. What? <laughs> They're like, we're all going in the middle, except Tiffany. <laughs> and it's you like, can go in the corner in the bottom. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Because of your messed up finger. Maybe Kate is mean. Yeah. That was wild. Larry is back with some hot uh, Jar Jar Binks takes. <laughs> Big fan. No one's a oh, worst, worst take ever. And I know that my brother is a big Jar Jar Binks fan, but nobody likes Jar Jar Binks. I have no feelings about Jar Jar Binks. Oh. Everything about Miss Do confuses me. Is she okay? <laughs> is she okay? I don't know. So it's apparently a fire drill that sends them all out to the courtyard in the middle of the day. Miss Do is reacting as if there is an actual fire. She's gone through some stuff. I just don't understand she's seen some things. where they are going with this character. No, she's just a quirky teacher. You know what I thought was funny? So Gordo makes this kind of like offhand comment about maybe Lizzie's parents are having another baby. And Lizzie's like, ew, no, gross. But then it feels like they have a moment later in the episode where it's like, oh, but maybe though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it got very... Spicy for a second. It did get very spicy. I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead, but it just made me think like, oh, maybe though. Most of the time it's subtle innuendo, but this was straight up. Is it hot in here? Like, yeah, is it hot in here? But yeah, Lizzie is upset. There is no room for me on the wall and there's no room for me at home. I belong nowhere. Then back at the house. So there's this other C story, D story, I don't even know, where Joe is repainting the door. This was so random. Every color of the rainbow, Joe McGuire needs a project. So in the scene before the theme song, she's painting it red. Now she's painting it green. And everybody reacts negatively to whatever color she chooses. Yeah, and Matt's upstairs moving his stuff into Lizzie's room. Yeah, and she's surprised that furniture is being moved into her room and again I believe that this is an entirely different room than what we've seen before I think every time we see Lizzie McGuire's <laughs> room it is a different room her room got really her room let's just say got big enough to be a two-bedroom room yeah we get the Weird Al poster Weird Al is in the house yeah and I don't know why she's so surprised that his things are being moved into her room because his room is getting gutted and redone because of water damage. Mm -hmm. So like where does she think his bed is going to go? This entire A story is just a gross overreaction. And quite frankly, Lizzie just being really bratty. We also meet the plumber. I think this is where we meet the plumber, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we've talked about him already. Um, but now we're going to get it's nighttime basically. And Lizzie and Matt have very different sleeping conditions. So polar opposite, it just, it's so contrived. But of course, Lizzie keeps her room warm, but Matt likes it cold. Lizzie likes the door open. Matt likes the door closed. <laughs> Lizzie listens to sounds of the ocean, and Matt sleeps with a disco ball. That's just how it goes. And Joe comes in. She tells them both will have to bend a little. And Lizzie's like, this is my room. And Joe's like, but this is our house. Lizzie also sleeps so Lizzie sleeps with the door and the shade open that just feels like so much light would filter into your room I know and yet how dare Matt have a nightlight <laughs> how dare that that wakes her up every time he flips the disco ball on I also want to talk a little bit about Sam McGuire in this episode and particularly how out of character he feels to me just this super aggro demeanor when he yells at them through the wall, it was very unexpected and it did not sound like the Sam McGuire we know and love. Yeah, no, it was a big surprise to me. Um, I did not expect to hear him yell. And then he comes over to the room later and, you know, he's not having this. Yeah, like he's more of a like, hey, you kids, cut that out kind of dad. <laughs> this was just like borderline scary. I guess he Why? needs to sleep. No, father. <laughs> I guess he needs his 10 hours. I mean, I don't know why he doesn't go to work the next day. And the Maguires are all very sensitive sleepers. If even the tiniest thing is out of place from their 
previous conditions, they are alerted. We get a montage, of course, of Lizzie and Matt waking each other up throughout the night. Yeah, it's like they have some sort of like radar that's like, oh, they're asl- oh, the door's open. <laughs> I can't sleep anymore. It was a little ridiculous. And then the next morning, we get lots of crashing and clanging happening upstairs. Work is happening. It doesn't sound like it's happening well or efficiently. Yeah, and they've been working since 6 a.m. Who invites a plumber to come work on their house at 6 a.m.? I don't know. This is where you also get your bad orange joke. Yes. Lizzie and Matt come downstairs in a tizzy. The line I highlighted from this scene was Lizzie yelling, I don't like alarms. They wake me up. She prefers to be gently woken up by her mother. Maybe Matt's one of those people who sets like five alarms. Sam is looking at me right now because if I'm going to wake up at nine o'clock, the alarm will start at 8.30 and then I will hit snooze and it will continue to go off in 10 minute increments until nine o'clock. And that's just how I work. Is that really necessary? You know what the best moment is? When I changed your alarm to with arms wide open by Creed. (laughs) It was good. You like being woken by the sultry, dulcet tones of Creed? I did. I did not love what it did to my Spotify algorithm for a minute. (laughs) But I appreciate a practical joke here and there. (laughs) You know what's concerning? The plumber is, like, actively breaking their house. There's, like, a roof caving in. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, They're getting swindled. He was like, I am going to make this $1,000. Also, who has ever heard of you give me all the money up front and then I give you back what I don't use? Yeah, I've never heard that. It's usually, like, half up front and then half when the job is done, right? You know, I said who heard of that as if I have any sort of experience <laughs> with home ownership. But that sounds legit to me. I feel like it's usually half and half. Then we come back to school and people are practicing their handprints again. How much? Okay. I get maybe practicing on the wall once. Do you need to practice in art class as well? Okay. So step one is positioning, right? Where are the hands going to go on the wall? That was step one. Now step two, we got to paint our hands. You got to practice the execution. This is more what you needed, right? This is more how to... (laughs) avoid webbed fingers yeah no i think the steps are actually step one put your hand on the wall step two spread (laughs) (laughs) this piece makes more sense to me than the wall i i appreciate a trial run Mm -hmm. i don't know it's chaotic it is kate is getting paint all over tudgman's face ethan sees what's happening and then gets paint all over his own face Fully runs his fingers through his hair. Even with paint in his hair, he still looks perfect. Lizzie, he's not into you. And Ms. Dew is actually, she's impressed with Lizzie's handprint. She's like, oh, what a great handprint. Here's my, here's my conspiracy theory. They're just stealing everybody's fingerprints for data mining. That's what they're really doing here. That's a wild theory, but I wouldn't put it past them. If you wanted to get even deeper, Lanny organized it. It's his next, <laughs> it's his next step. <laughs> And then we cut to another montage of Lizzie, Gordo, and Miranda trying to find their group to be on the wall with. This whole subplot felt pretty underdeveloped to me. Yeah. And uh, if I was Gordo, I'd be wanting to figure out like where we're going from that kiss in the last episode. Right. But this Gordo doesn't even acknowledge his feelings for Lizzie yet. It's very confusing. <laughs> She was out of reach. Now she's so close. You just have to figure it out. But anyway, so they try to figure out if they belong perhaps with the basketball team, which why would they? Um, The Geeks, which AKA seems like the chess club. No respect. (laughs) Miranda clearly doesn't understand how to play chess um, because she just starts yelling at them. Clearly Uh, has not seen the Queen's Gambit. Clearly, or like the Bobby Fischer movie. Um, any of these properties, or has just played chess generally. Then they try with the drama club, and they make the drama kids very uncomfortable. It's very strange because they're getting, like, violently thrown out of these rooms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like they've been rowdy in some sort of club, 
and they just are getting like kicked out by a bouncer. Yeah, and they are children. Though in all fairness, they did interject in what felt like a very personal conversation between two of the drama kids. They try out for cheerleading. Is that what we're supposed to expect happened? Full circle. And we are right back where we started. My notes we're the same are, people. We haven't changed. <laughs> my notes for this section are basketball. No. Chess club. No. Drama club. No. Cheerleaders. Why did they even try? Good point. And Lizzie's like, ugh, nobody wants us to be a part of their group. And I'm like, you are a group. You isolated yourselves. Only ever hang out with each other. Can't just siphon on to another group this late in the game. I know. Especially after you call Kate this. Just don't listen to that snobby, hairsprayed, manicured dunce. <laughs> Did we ever follow up on what a dunst is? Yeah, Kirsten dunst. <laughs> okay, that was what I thought too. No, he said dunce, not dunst. Like a dunce cap. I don't even know what that is. Are you serious? I don't even know what that is. Oh, no. That's not a word in my vocabulary. Oh, no. All right. I don't know that that is a bad thing. It's a stupid person. Wait, but do you- Oh, that? <laughs> you washed over the garden wall where they had to- They made him wear a dunce cap and sit in the corner. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was like a- a thing. Oh, yeah. Dunce, it, it's like that's a, you know, they make the stupid person wear the dunce cap. It's mean. It's uh, negative reinforcement. Just be uh, less stupid. Oh, kind of like your coach philosophy. Hit the tennis ball in the right spot or you run. Yeah, exactly. Make the free throw or you run. That's how you learn. And then you'll hit the next one so you don't have to run anymore. No. Negative reinforcement always works. Anyways, back at the McGuire house. Is there anything else to say about them trying to find a group? No, I was ready to cut forward to uh, the house where the door is now blue and everybody's down on this, but I know a lot of people who have blue front doors. I have a blue front door. I know. My parents, rather. Are you sad all the time? I mean. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Sam has a plan. Everything in Lizzie's room is gone. All their stuff. The Weird Al poster. Everything. The Weird Al poster is gone. Sam hands them sleeping bags. And fun fact, I actually had the purple sleeping bag that he gives to Lizzie. Oh, wow. Well, I think it was technically Vanessa's because I was pink and she was purple. Those were our color identities if we were Powderpuff Girls. This was based on Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm just saying if a color was your identity as it is with powerpuff girls i was pink and vanessa was purple i see and this is the sensual moment let's say is it hot in here is it just me joe (laughs) mcguire joe mcguire so saucy scandalous imagine how she would feel about sam mcguire if he went to work (laughs) (laughs) have another kid they can't afford another kid Although this wasn't my favorite line. My favorite line was later on when they're trying to convince Sam that uh, they're actually getting along. Yeah, and I think that that might be the clip I want to play. Oh, you want to play? Let's just play the clip. Let's let's get into Lizzie and Matt's head here. Okay. This is all your fault. My fault? I didn't make the pipe burst. I want my bed back. I want my night light. Well, I want my sound soother. Listen, Laura. We're not going to get anything back if we keep arguing, so we have to stop. (laughs) Like that's going to happen? Well, we don't actually have to stop arguing. We just have to convince Dad that we've stopped. Oh, I see. Fool our parents. I like it. I thought you would. Wait, we don't have to, you know, hug or anything, do we? Ugh, no. Are you guys arguing again? Why, no, Father. Without our thanks here to distract us, we've really gotten to know each other. Yeah, and like each other. We've really learned our lesson. Really? Well, I'm impressed. I think maybe you guys are ready to get your stuff back. You think so? Well, Father does know best. (laughs) I love seeing you two like this. I'll be right back. Father? What's with the father thing? Like each other? Don't you think that's a bit over the top? Matt, it's dad. It's not like we're trying to fool mom or anything. True. Father? Dad? Why, no father. (laughs) That's pretty good. 
And for Sam McGuire's tough, angry, sleep-deprived exterior, he is actually still the soft dad we know and love. He just wants to see the best in his children. Cracks super easily. Yeah. Very, He's glad that they're learning. Very easily convinced. Well, at least they're, you know, working together. Yeah. In this capacity. But the jig is up very quickly because the next morning, they should have left it at the father, right? Because now they're going full Elizabeth and Matthew. Like, are we on Downton Abbey? What is happening? The name's Lizzie. David. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as Joe enters the kitchen, she calls it out to Sam. Like, you know, they are not actually getting along. They're just pretending to get along. Then we flip to the next scene. Miranda and Gordo are like, I can't believe you're stuck with Matt. And Lizzie's like, eh, when times get tough, family has to stick together. I think we did get along. But there was nothing from like point A. There was nothing connecting those two scenes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a week later now. (laughs) Because she's like, it's been a whole week of sleeping in the same room now. So I guess we just time jumped real quickly. And it was fine. Yeah, and that was it. That It worked. Good work, everybody. Well done. No real resolution, right? No, we don't get to see Sam McGuire calling them out. We have no idea where Sam McGuire hid all of their things. Oh, it was all in the garage. He said that. Yeah, but they could easily just go move it, couldn't they? Like, bring all their stuff back. Like, this is what Sam McGuire took a day off of work to move all of their belongings into the garage by himself. Yeah. And she was like... We just got along to fool my dad. But then we actually got along. It was fine. Well Eek. well done, I guess. You know, that was actually very, very clever. <laughs> you wish. And then we are back at the wall. This is where Kate just destroys poor Tiffany. <laughs> she wants the cheerleader's hands to be in a pyramid. Tudgman does Spock. Yeah, some Star Trek. Ethan can't do a thumbs up. He tries really hard, though. And Lizzie and her friends find a spot um, along the top of the wall. And just, again, very underdeveloped out of nowhere, are like, it's okay that we're not part of a group. Because the only group we need is right here. I think that it's interesting that, obviously, Lizzie and Gordo and Miranda are working with paint at school. And Joe is at home also doing some painting. But these two painting themes have nothing to do with each other. Like, if there was some sort of connective tissue about color, or, you know, maybe it ends up being that the actual place where they belong as a group where they should be putting their handprints is the McGuire front door. Like, (laughs) either of these things would have made a lot of sense. But there's just, like, no acknowledgement that either of these plots exist to each other. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the what is meant to be the connective tissue in this episode is this idea of unity, togetherness that is displayed within both plots and the idea of working together on a project, even if you don't all get along. But again, I just think that nothing quite fits. It's like when you have a puzzle and you're trying to force a piece in, that just isn't the right piece. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about all of the pieces in this episode. Yeah, especially when there's like physical representations of that that you could have that you just chose not to use. Yeah. And then at the end, the resolution of the painting the door is that Joe picks white because there's just nothing going on in this house. Right. Like it comes full circle and she's just back exactly where she started. And it was nothing we needed. I would have loved for this subplot to be removed entirely and to spend more time flushing out and connecting the A and the B story. I can see that. Or you just, you know, do any of the things that I mentioned and just make it make sense. Make it make sense? Nah. We're the same people. We haven't changed. So, yes, the door is white. And as far as the mural goes, you know, it actually didn't even matter where their hands went because in the end... All the prints blend together in a group that's just us. Yeah, they're looking at this wall and they're like, actually, where did we put our handprints? Like, do you have dementia? You just did this. <laughs> <laughs> how do you not re- How do you not remember where you just put your hand? It all blends together. And that is, that's the episode. What does I- it mean that the McGuire door is white? Boring. 
I was so excited for Miranda's comeback and then immediately disappointed at how underutilized she was. And Gordo, I mean, they really only existed in this episode as plot devices to get Lizzie to explain the Matt situation. But we, the audience, already knew the Matt situation. So it was just very repetitive and weak. It was. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a great, it wasn't a great showing for either of them. They were just occupying space on the wall. So overall, I mean, this episode was fine, right? It was, if I, I did like that it felt like a return to form in yeah. many ways. I agree. It just, I wished, now I wish that they had just like followed up on everything that we've been leading up to in the last few episodes. Like, it's also up in the air. Well, if you are hoping for that, you will just have to wait your little heart out until we are in Rome. Oh, geez. Yeah, we have we have to travel to the all the way to the Trevi Fountain for any sort of. Well, that's another traumatizing thing from my youth. I was I didn't get to go <laughs> on my middle school Italy field trip, which we actually had because my parents were like, "We're not spending two thousand dollars for you to go to Italy for a week." I just stayed home with the rest of the peasants. Couldn't get my hand right. Can't go to Italy. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, I just couldn't do anything right in my youth. Oh, my God. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, outfits. 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 Yeah, maybe because Miranda will be back, this is where she'll come through for us. Actually, let's start. No, I guess we can start with some outfit repeating from at least Gordo. Yes, we have talked ad nauseum about what exactly this sweatshirt says. It's a wrestling sweatshirt, which makes no sense because has Gordo ever done anything physical ever? <laughs> um, the slow bicycle race. The slow bicycle. <laughs> That's the extent of his physicality. It's a slow bicycle it's a, race. It's a slow bicycle race. It is. That's it. I'm pretty sure this is the outfit that we saw Ms. Do wearing the last time we saw her. Yeah. It's like a purple suit with a... Uh, you know, a purple feather in her hair and kind of like uh, Professor Trelawney glasses, just like big circular glasses, maybe like John Lennon glasses, if you will. That is who this character deeply reminds me of. I just don't, I have refrained from referencing that series on the podcast. Okay. But I agree is what I'm trying to say. Got you. Uh, underreported story, Lizzie is actually the world's strongest woman. Good for her. Because Joe is, like, really struggling to open his jar, and Lizzie's just like... <laughs> I respect that. Here's Ms. Dew wearing a little bit of a different outfit. She looks like... I don't know. She kind of looks like a prep school student. She's got, like, a brown vest and, like, a yeah. plaid brown skirt. Yeah, she does. Can I just point something out? So I freeze-framed, and they're all standing in the courtyard because they had to leave the school for the fire drill. And here, obviously, is Ethan Kraft right in the middle... But is this also Ethan Kraft in the back corner? Wow. <laughs> Are there two Ethans? Very similar. I also, another underreported story is the return of Claire. Claire appearance. She is okay. She is still in the picture. Yeah, no, she got very little. I don't think she said anything. She was just there. Which, I mean, we've been, we've been asking for this for a while, for just like the background characters to be in the background. Yeah. That's fair. Do but you like Miranda's jeans? Do you like Lizzie's skirt? No. <laughs> that is some crazy patch zone yeah, no, situation. Lizzie's, Lizzie's wearing a skirt that looks like kind of like Frank if Frankenstein made a skirt. Yeah. No, I was talking about Miranda's pants because it looks like it's just zippers. It's like a, a pair of pants made exclusively from zippers. It's grunge, <laughs> but like with a Texan belt buckle. Texan grunge? <laughs> Is that an American flag headband? I uh, can't really tell from this angle. No, it definitely is. Oh, yeah. No, it is. <laughs> there You're we right. Go. Uh, Miranda is Mirka. I'm trying to figure out what is happening with Lizzie's necklace. Yeah, I don't really know. This plumber also seems like the worst equipped plumber. Like, he's literally just out here wearing jeans and a t-shirt. He has no equipment. All he has is a clipboard. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is. It's like they found him on Craigslist before Craigslist. Now, I have questions about Lizzie's pajama choices, personally, in this episode. Okay. 
pajamas to me are all about their sole purpose is comfort. And I understand that we're still on TV, but nothing about her pajamas scream, I want to sleep in this. <laughs> you wouldn't want to sleep in something with super ruffly sleeves? Yeah, and kind of like a low-cut <laughs> top. Can I ask you a question? So in the background, there's just this red light. <laughs> what is the functional purpose of a red light in the corner of your room? I don't know. Is that just bad blocking or is that there intentionally? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Lizzie coming down bright yellow. Yeah, gotta love those um, 70s Aquarius-esque sleeves. Yeah. Looking straight out of hair. Oh, yeah, good call. Speaking of hair. Oh, yeah, Mr. Ethan Craft. Painting his own face for no I reason. I just have to say, 10 out of 10 to Clayton Snyder, our our bud. It's uh, the not the not repeating, right? Why yeah. why the hair looks good? Yeah. Miranda's sweatshirt is cute here. Yeah, I'm just going to skip to the end because I know you're going to have something to say about Miranda's outfit here at the end. Union Jack. There's so <laughs> many. It's, it's, it's a London explosion. Her shirt even says London. We have Big Ben. Oh my gosh, we have the Union Jack headband. This Miranda's really big on headbands in this episode. I think that her necklace has little Union Jacks on it. This is just to the nines. She's repping. Reliable. Yeah. Yes, she is. I feel like that's all I have. Do you have anything else here? I think that's it for me as well. Everything okay. else is pretty standard. Cool. So I guess it's time to name some MVPs. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Who Who should go first today? I don't know. Whose turn is it? I have no idea. I don't know. Can I just give it to Miranda because she's back? Oh, Miranda because she's back. She's back. She is repping her her signature Union Jack look. She is supportive in the ways that she needs to be, again, underutilized. But I am just so happy to see her. I am so thrilled that the trio is reunited that she got back from all of the various situations that she was in over the last few episodes. I'm happy. Wow. Okay. Congratulations, Miranda. Way way to come back here. I'm going to come in, I think, with a bit of a hot take. Go for it. I think my MVP this episode is going to go to Sam McGuire. Oh, boy. Well, you know, he was like, don't worry, I have a plan to make Lizzie and Matt get along, and it worked. And yes, he was a little bit out of character. We saw him weird yelling, but he just wants to get some sleep. And so he does what he needs to do. Obviously, you know, he's getting along well with his wife. And I just think that this was a very heavy Sam McGuire episode. Even though he didn't go to work, he still made his presence felt. He really is the character who, when you think about it, moved the plot along in this episode, whatever semblance of a plot existed. Mm. So I'll give him that. There you go, Sam McGuire. Still a tight race. Still a very, very tight race. Lizzie and Matt obviously separated by half a point, thanks to uh, a guest appearance, a guest MVP for Lizzie. Yeah, it's going to really come down to the wire here with, what is it now, nine episodes? Yeah. Wow. Coming to the end. Wild. Yes. There you have it. That was Lizzie McGuire, season two, episode 25, Bunkies. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Email us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can find this episode along with all of our other episodes at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. It'll also be um, available wherever you get your podcasts. And coming up here at Paginated Media tomorrow, Marissa, you and Kelsey, I believe, will be back with another episode of Older and Wiser. It's number three. Yes, of course. Very fun. And then on Thursday, obviously a very bittersweet episode of Crowning Around after the passing of Prince Philip. But we will be back talking about a piece of content that Philip actually is not in. A movie called Hyde Park on Hudson starring Laura Linney, Bill Murray. <laughs> Just a wild ride. It was a crazy <laughs> movie. I'm very glad, actually, that it doesn't involve uh, Prince Philip in any way. Just in case, you know, there's no chance we say anything disrespectful or off color about it but we don't even have to broach that because we're talking about Hyde Park on Hudson starring Bill Murray <laughs> and of course we will be back in a week with another episode of the Outfit Repeaters 
We are in the final stretch, and we will be recapping Season 2, Episode 26, A Gordo Story. Oh, boy. Wait, does that say Parker? Yes. I'm ready for this. The Return of Parker. Wow. <laughs>